Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 331 for the 24th of Tishrei in a leap year. So yesterday, if you've been following along, we discussed the experiment involving the renowned virtuoso violinist Joshua Bell, who in 2007 was put up by the Washington Post to play in a subway station incognito uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. And we talked about what happened and how pretty much of the thousands of people who commuted that day and who went by him, only one person recognized him and only six people stopped to pay attention to him playing. And so we discussed this in terms of our relationship with God, understanding this as an an analogy for our relationship with God, specifically during the time of prayer, that like, you know, just like the commuters were so ignorant, they didn't realize right in front of them that this virtuoso violinist was playing something that seats to see him cost in the realm of uh, of $100 per seat to see him. And here they had the opportunity to see him for free. And they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. So we liken this to our relationship with God. And we liken this to our relationship with God during prayer, because during prayer, during the times of time of prayer, then God reveals himself. This is a time when God's glory gets revealed to us in a way that is really unlike any other. And to not take advantage of this, to take the time instead and just be involved with our own mundane worldly affairs uh, and not pay attention and not give this time and the space, the sanctity that it really should have is likens us to a fool. It's like somebody who's really foolish. And it's one thing to be a fool, we discussed in private, but to be a fool in public, to do this to like brazenly disrespect a king, brazenly disrespect a virtuous violinist or something like that, you know, is um, in this case, God is really something that is not only a bad thing to do, but in the case of a king, you're actually liable for death. It's a capital punishment. So today we're going to talk about this a little bit further, and specifically we're going to focus in on the idea of what if you, let's say in the case of the commuters on the subway, you know, it's one thing for somebody who is, like I happen to play the violin, for example, so I don't know, would I recognize him? Would I notice him on the subway? I Honestly, I don't know. But so it's one thing if somebody is a has an appreciation for music, is a musician themselves, has some knowledge of music, for them to not recognize him and to pass him by, I mean, that's that's pretty bad, right? Um, But what if we were to have a situation where people who were 
people who appreciated music, people who did know who he was, they were standing around and they were giving him acclaim, giving him praise, recognizing him for who he was. What about the other people? What about those people who don't have musical appreciation? What should they be doing at that time? So on the one hand, you could say, okay, like they're kind of excused because they don't have musical appreciation, right? Like they don't really know what music is. They've never maybe um, heard a violin in their lives. I mean, that's hard to imagine, but you know what I mean? Um, but on the other hand, if somebody is an honest person, if somebody's a humble person, they know what they don't know. Like they have a recognition of where, where areas that they're ignorant in. So like, let's say if a person, let's say, let's go away from the subject subway example. Let's go into like you're in, in an actual concert hall and let's say your significant other drags you to a concert there. And, uh, you don't know anything about music, but your significant other does, as do presumably most of the people in the concert hall. So you're clearly the ignorant one. You're clearly the one that's left out in the dark that doesn't know what's going on. So you might be sitting there and you might be listening to this violinist playing and you might not be really appreciating it. You might be like, I don't understand what the difference is between this and just pop songs on the radio. Like what's what's the difference here, right? However, nevertheless, even if you personally do not have this appreciation, this musical sensibility, do you think it would be appropriate for you to start talking in this music hall, for you to start talking to your significant other about what, where you're going to go for dinner later, what you're going to eat for breakfast, where you're going to go on vacation, how you're spending your money, how you're, you're saving your money, right? Like that would be pretty rude to talk like that, right? So there's this recognition that we all have that when you're in the presence of other people who are aficionados in some area and you're in the presence of whatever it is that they're aficionados of, you should respect that and you should recognize that this is, that there's something going on that's beyond your scope, but still, uh, have respect for it by virtue of them. So you might think of this as like a form of imposter syndrome, you know, like, who are you? You don't appreciate music. Why should you be here? Why should you give the praise to these people? But this is a case where it's actually good to have this kind of imposter syndrome. One thing that this reminds me of actually, just as a side note, and um, this isn't in the Tanya today, but it, but it, it did remind me of this is I've recently, I think I mentioned to you guys that I've been trying to like up my game with prayer. And so, and try to get, have better concentration in prayer, better focus in prayer, better meaning in my prayer. And one of the ways that I chose to do this is I actually bought this book called by Rabbi Gopin. And it's, it's a really good book. I would highly recommend it. And it's just like, it gives like really short insights that, you know, you can read like one a day or something like that about prayer. And one of the things that I learned from that book that I thought was really interesting and really is in line with this, with this whole idea is that one of the reasons why when we're, we read the brachos before the Shema, the, 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 um, the blessings before the Shema prayer, which talk about the angels praising God and all the different ways that the angels praise God is actually to give us the same kind of appreciation because we recognize that we're not angels. We don't have the same spiritual sensitivity as angels do. However, in discussing the praise of the angels, this can hopefully give us a glimpse. Like if you see, you know, it's like kind of like that thing. It's the good side of that thing. Like, you know, that those experiments people do where everybody's looking up, everybody's pointing at something up in the sky and you're like, wow, if everybody's pointing 
pointing at something in the sky, maybe I should look up too. Maybe I should point up too. <laughs> you know, often those things are practical jokes and not things you should actually be focusing on. But but the reason why they work so well is because usually in life this is the case that when everybody's looking in a certain direction, when everybody's you see a line to some place and it's like going around the block, there's something going on there people are recognizing something, right? So that's the idea here too, is that when it comes to uh, to prayer, first of all, like in terms of the angels, like I was saying, when we recognize how the angels are really recognizing God in this way, hopefully that can inspire us to have a glimpse of that recognition. And in today's Tanya, what we're going to be learning is in terms of prayer, is that even if you yourself don't have the spiritual sensitivity to sense the revelation of godliness that's coming down, during this time, you're still very much obligated to honor it and very much obligated to not discuss your personal affairs in this way. And in fact, as we'll learn, to do so is actually considered a severe type of brazenness against God, a, a very big dishonor to God. Just like if we were to do this in front of a king, if a king were to walk into a room and people were to start talking about their own personal affairs in front of the king, that would be a capital offense, right? And the altar Rebbe actually gets very severe in his language today, where he actually talks about the consequences of uh, of um, of what happens, what should be done with these kind of people who brazenly are so brazenly talk about their own personal affairs in the face of God. So with all of that being said, let's get into the text and see how the altar Rebbe explains this. And again, for context, we are in the middle of uh, of Epistle 24. We're actually going to be concluding Epistle 24 today of Iger Sakurish. So here we go. So the ultra begins and he says that for this reason, meaning for the the reasons that we spoke about yesterday, so you can go back and listen to yesterday's podcast to hear about that, the sages of blessed memory set prayer up so that we should be as if we are standing in front of a king. This is how they described how we should be during prayer. And this is written in the Gemara and Masechet Brachos, page 33a. So, and if a person can't make it, if, you, if it's really hard for you to visualize that you're standing in front of a king, just like, again, in the analogy of the virtuoso violinist, you, you don't have this appreciation. You don't, you can't, you don't see, you're like, okay, God, a king, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. Nevertheless, you should imagine that you are standing before a king in the sight of many people who are looking at you. So meaning you should imagine that you're in a public situation where there's a king and people are looking at you. So it's like you kind of like channel that fear of the king towards the fear of people. You don't want to make a fool of yourself. And um, and so even though, says the altar Rabbi, that a fool does not have thought, meaning to say that a fool does not have this recognition of a king, right? That's, that's what a fool is. Nevertheless, this is what the prayer is. This is why prayer was instituted in order to to meditate upon this idea. So when we're praying, the altar is saying, this is the reason why we pray. The reason for us to pray is to develop this sensitivity, to meditate upon these kind of things. And somebody who does not show this, somebody who is who is who uh, does not display the proper uh, respect towards the king, this is guilty of a capital offense right? This is right. Like imagine a physical king, if somebody were to just really not act disrespectfully in front of the king, they would be put to death. And so this is why it says in the Zohar that a person who behaves in such a manner brings disgrace into the supernal order and shows that he is separate from holiness and that he has no share of the God of Israel, God forbid. So thus, says the altar Rebbe, 
he is here. He's, he says, I'm acting as an agent of the sages of blessed memory. So the sages in, instituted this whole idea of, of thinking of God as a king. So now the altar is taking upon himself to act as an agent of those sages to enact a decree to act to be equal for everybody to not speak about mundane affairs from the moment that the shlech tibor that the that the uh the chazan that the the one leading the prayer begins to to begin the prayers until the end until the last kaddish whether we're talking about uh Shachris, Arvis, or Mincha, like any of the prayers. So from the beginning of the prayers to the end of the prayers, one should not speak about mundane affairs at all. And somebody who does this intentionally, says the Alter Rebbe, then he should sit on the ground and he should ask three people that sh- uh, to release him from a, uh, from a nidui, from above, from a supernal excommunication. So this, so it's very intense. Though the ultra is basically saying that somebody who does this in a brazenly, uh, overt way, manner, like intentionally, they are going against the rabbis in this way that it sh- they should be liable for excommunication. So they have to sit on the ground and ask for forgiveness from three people to take them away from this uh, decree. And then they have to repent. This person has to repent. And it's, he brings a citation from Yeshayahu, chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, He should repent and he will heal. And then he doesn't have to be excommunicated anymore if he, does, if he repents in this way. And so the reason why it's so easy to repent in this way and he's not excommunicated is because from the beginning, the only, only somebody who is an actual rebel, an actual sinner, that don't care um, about uh, seeking atonement from heaven or anything like that, that they're the type of people that this excommunication really is uh, is um, appropriate for. And so it also speaks, it's, it's also when people do this in a brazen way, in a way that's like really intentional, like they're really just, they really don't care. But somebody who forgets, you know, or somebody who by accident sp- speaks a few words, like this happens, you know, we're all human. Um, he doesn't actually need to be released from excommunication. And then the altar um, concludes with a with a pasuk from a citation from Tehillim, chapter seven, verse 10, where it says, that God examines the heart of the heart and the kidneys of the righteous so meaning god will know if you're sincere or not and then he ends with a bracha uh to uh, that to to his followers where he says that god should be benevolent um, uh, to those good people and to those who are upright in their hearts so meaning to say that like okay yes he's being very severe here it is a very intense thing that he's saying that you should not speak during prayer and and this can be make you liable to the point that it can make you liable for uh, excommunication to the point that you really need to sit on the ground and in front of three people ask for forgiveness and to be uh, released from this excommunication. However, he says this really only applies to somebody who does this in a brazen way in a really, you know, uh, intentional way. We all make mistakes. So if it's just a mistake, if it's just a one-time thing, like you slip and you happen to talk during prayer, don't beat yourself up. It's fine. Uh, don't worry about it. But the basic message is really just to take prayer, the time of prayer, the congregation of prayer, a little bit more seriously and give it the respect that it deserves. Just like if you were in a concert hall, and uh, that's my analogy. It's not the whole Trevor's analogy, but just like if you were in a concert hall and a violinist was playing, praying, you would give that violinist the respect that he or she deserves, even if you don't actually know what's going on with it.
Okay. And with that being said, we are going to continue tomorrow. We're going to move on to a new epistle, Epistle 25, and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.